I invite you to take a Bible and to open it to Paul's second letter to Timothy, where we're going to read the first chapter. As a church family, we've been going through the New Testament one letter at a time, looking at how it begins and at how it ends, and so now we are on 2 Timothy. Then we'll have a few weeks of a break before we pick up the end of this letter in the beginning of September. Uh, If you're using one of the Bibles provided for you there in the pew, this is page 935. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are all aware, uh, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me and among them were my jealous and Hermogenes. And may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. And may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. And that'll conclude our reading for this morning. In verse 6 and 7, the apostle said that we have been given not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And it's a good word that he shares with us that we have not been given a spirit of fear. And I think one of the reasons that he shares that is that fear is just part of our default response living in this world. Nobody has to uh, tell us things to be afraid of. 
we in our own humanity, aware of our own limitations, are fearful of all kinds of things. I found out <clears throat> this morning as I came in and Emily came in early and we were just catching up and saying how you were doing and she said, oh, you know, I just didn't sleep real well last night with all the, you know, the lightning and the thunder. And I said, oh yeah, she's like, yeah, I just, I never quite, you know, sleep too good when that happens. And I was like, really? And she said, yeah, because when I was five years old, lightning struck our house and it made a hole in our roof five feet big. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've never heard that for as long as I've known you, but then I immediately said, please don't tell that story to my children <laughs> because they are already afraid of it. <clears throat> and so whenever it's happening, I usually have to say to them, oh no, don't worry, don't worry. <clears throat> it, it, it's going to be okay. And so if they, knowing you, hear that uh, it made a, a five-foot hole in your roof, and she then went on to share that, yeah, they had to stay in a hotel that night because it went through the house and actually caught the dishwasher on fire and her mom was only a few feet away everyone was awake she said she was playing the piano and I said yes yes please we'll wait a little bit before you share that story uh, because there are scary things in this world uh, that we all deal with we're all afraid of the unknown we're afraid of losing things and people that we love uh, Recently, uh, about a month ago or so, uh, our middle son was starting to cough a little bit, and it seemed uh, fairly normal, uh, but then our oldest uh, was getting kind of concerned about his brother and just said, I just, I just really don't, I'm just, I'm nervous, uh, and this is one of my worst fears. And I was like, oh no, what is one of your worst fears? He goes, throw up. And I was like, oh, okay, <clears throat> good. I'm glad, <clears throat> I'm glad that's all it was, was just throw up. Thankfully, no, it wasn't throw up. And so then I thought in my mind, oh, thankfully he's young enough and he's innocent enough that that's like his biggest fear. <clears throat> and then he says, well, actually, I have a lot of fears. And my top three fears are throw up, hell, and the experience of dying. And I was like, oh, you, you know about those things already. You're old enough to be afraid of those things. And if you don't believe in one of those, uh, you still have two of them that are sufficient to be afraid of. That's our natural response is we're afraid of the things that we don't know. We're afraid of the things that we can lose. And all of us, no matter how young or vibrant we think we are, are very aware that there are forces more powerful than us in the world. And there are limitations that all of us have. And so the apostle says, but God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is sort of the land that we all live in. And into that reality, the good news has come. And the good news gives us power and love and self-control. And so for us, if our starting point is sort of the fears that we have, Paul springs from that to say, but what God desires for us is life empowered by him that we would experience in spite of the fears around us, life empowered by God. <clears throat> so when we read those words that he has given us a spirit of power, it's not then just for us to define, well, what does that mean? It's not that God has now just made each and every one of us superheroes and we're free just to go doing what we want, whatever we want to do. That power comes from somewhere. 
and we need to know the source of that power if we're going to live in the appropriate ways he intends us. And so if your Bible's still open and you uh, just look at the very first verse of the next chapter, you'll see uh, that he, he clarifies for Timothy where this power comes from. He says, you then, Timothy, my child, be strengthened, empowered by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is the power that he's given to us, not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of strength by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, who has given us life. As later in chapter one, he said, he has actually defeated death itself. He has conquered our greatest fears in conquering death and hell. And so he's given us life. He's shown us that there is life after death, that there is hope after despair, that there is a beautiful and eternal morning after a long and dark evening. He's given us that hope that is meant to strengthen us. And so when we think of how the gospel gives us power, in Romans chapter 1, Paul put those two things together. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And so we are all, as his children, invited to live into that power. The power that the Gerizine experienced when Christ cast the demons out of him. In encountering Christ, he now had the power to live a new life. Or that Mary Magdalene experienced when Christ cast the demons out of her, that encountering the saving power of Jesus, she now had the opportunity to live anew. Or the very power that the woman who was caught in adultery and was surrounded by people that were ready to punish her by death, except that Jesus intervened and said no. And then when he said to her, now go and sin no more. You, you were just afraid that you were about to die. And I've just made it possible for you to live. So go and live. Or the power of the woman who was at the well and after she had encountered Jesus and understood his heart toward her, that she went and told all of her town, I've met somebody who's told me everything I've ever done. She was now empowered to go and tell and no longer live in the shame and the fear that she had previously experienced because her life was empowered by the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's how he desires for each and every one of us to live in the spirit of the power of the gospel that we follow the one who has defeated death itself, who planned and purposed our salvation for eternity. It says he saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is the good news that is supposed to give us a great sense of strength and encouragement. That there are real fears around us. But if, and if we examine ourselves against those fears, we'll be overwhelmed. We'll give up and give in. 
But if we say, not am I big enough for the lightning, or am I big enough to forgive this person, or am I big enough to overcome this challenge, but rather, is God strong enough to overcome this? Is God able to do more with this than I could even ask or think? Can God give me the ability to forgive and move forward in new life and strength? It's a totally different way of looking at things. If we're not examining the world with all of its fears and dangers from the perspective of our power to handle them, but by the power he gives us freely. And we have this in the gospel. And so Paul is writing this to Timothy to tell him, you have this power. You've been given it through the spirit to live life in the strength that God enables us. And then immediately what that also includes then is that that is now a life also motivated by love. If we are empowered by God and not ourselves to live, we can live motivated for the love of others. And here again, it's important that we don't just take the word love and then fill it up to mean whatever we mean. Uh, Love is not always a good thing. Just a little bit later in chapter 3, Paul says, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self and lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless. Here, Paul's first two descriptions include the word love, but not in a positive way. It will not be a good thing when people are lovers of self or lovers of money. That is not the love that God has given us to love and indulge in all of our passions and desires. He's given us love for his glory. If we're strengthened by him, then part of the love that we're supposed to express is our love and longing for him and his glory, for his word to be spread and to love the people that he has created and to desire to serve them and care for them. And that's why Paul can write this. And as we would initially read it and hear of of, of how much encouragement he's trying to pass on to to Timothy, we might uh, forget until he reminds us later that he's writing this from a prison cell. He's writing this uh, feeling very much not empowered to simply do what he wants or to go where he wants. He's suffering in chains, but he's so filled with love, love for Timothy that he's taking time to write him. He's reminded of the love that he's experienced when he says, you know, I'm walking in the way of of serving God just like my ancestors did. And Timothy, don't you remember your grandmother and your mother and how much they loved you? And now it's your turn to take the mantle of leadership and to love other people in that same way. That when you have the opportunity to choose self-protection and to run from the dangers that are going on, you can actually choose to love people in the midst of these challenges to care for them, to come alongside them and support them. And that's part of why Paul has left Timothy where he is. And so when he describes other people who have turned away in verse 15, he's writing this letter to to say to Timothy, don't do that. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't turn away from people in their time of need when they're wrestling with their fears that are all around them. 
God has empowered you to continue to serve them in love. And so take up that charge. Don't uh, neglect, he says, the gift that you've been given by the laying on of hands. God has blessed you with gifts that are meant to serve other people. So do that. Serve them and love them. And also he goes on to say, and even in your love for me, don't be ashamed of, of me because I'm in chains. And then Paul describes in verse 16 how he felt the love of, of Onesiphorus because he, he came into town in, in Rome and he knew that Paul was in prison. And all of the onus was on him to decide if he was going to go and pursue Paul. Paul did not have the freedom to be the, the host that he would have wanted to be to hear that somebody was coming in. And so Paul reminds Timothy of this example of somebody else who took the initiative and showed by their behavior that they really wanted to see me, that this was a priority for them to be with me. And that's how we experience love from one another. Do you think of me? Do you notice me? Do you work and strive to be together whenever that's possible? But God has given us that same spirit that if we're empowered by him, we are also motivated by the love he's placed in our hearts. But with that, we still also realize we need guardrails in our lives. And so Paul also says we've been given a spirit of power and love and self-control. I think this is an act of uh, humility on Paul's part to highlight this. He doesn't say, well, because we've been empowered by God and because we're motivated by love, we don't need to say anything else. Uh, he adds on as well this need for all of us to be aware that we still need to guard our hearts. We need to recognize that over time, we need fences that protect us, that keep us on this road for the journey. Because this isn't just a sprint to see I mean, how much of, can we live this way in immediate response to hearing from his word for the next 30 minutes after service. We're called to a life of faithfulness and to a, a marathon, if you will, and not a sprint. And so if we're going to be able to do what God is calling us to do and to feel his power, not just for this afternoon, but for tomorrow and for next week and for all the different seasons that life will bring, we need to recognize that we are going to go through our own challenges in those uh, times. And so we need the support of one another to be self-controlled along the way. As much as we might um, show bravery in one instance and another, we're going to continue to be challenged and tempted to give up or to quit or to not trust God and his word uh, in the new reality that we might be facing. And so we need other people that help us pace ourselves for the long haul to not just burn out or wear out, but to seek a path of faithfulness and consistency for a long time. 
I was someone who, uh, I loved always playing sports, but I never loved running very much. And if I could find a way to play sports without having to then run and practice leading up to those sports, I would have gladly taken it. And it wasn't until my adult life when uh, I wanted to get into running more uh, that I found somebody who was willing to run with me. And in his willingness uh, to run with me, thankfully, he was already incredibly in shape, and he could run and just sort of set the pace at which I could follow after him. And then he was also in good enough shape that he could talk to me the whole time that we were running. And so then that could provide sort of a distraction as we were running together. Uh, but one of his points, as we would go then on these from three-mile to four-mile to six-mile runs, was find the pace that you feel like you can keep on going. Find the pace that you feel like you can keep on breathing and you can keep on talking. And then that's the pace you need to carry all the way through. And so early on, I could just follow him and he could adjust to me to keep it going. But it was, if the goal was just to get to one end of the room to the other as fast as you can, you do one thing. But if your goal is to see how far you can go, then there's certain uh, things that come into play. There's certain parameters that you now accept to say, it's not bad or terrible if I go out too fast, but I need to pay attention to that. And if I want to follow after Christ in a variety of seasons of my life, then there's all kinds of good things I might even say no to because I want the better reality of following after him. What in Hebrews is, is talked about is, is weights that we might experience. There are things that are sinful that if we're being faithful to the spirit that we've been given, we'll say no to. But there are also just constant uh, opportunities in life that might be good, but they're not great. They might be okay, but they won't help us get really any farther along than we want to. And if our goal is to continually grow in our relationship with God and our ability to love others, we will recognize the need to be self-controlled. To say, it does, this doesn't mean this is bad for me, but it's not the best for me. And so I want to let go of it and pursue greater health uh, in what God wants for me. And sometimes we need one another to help each other see that. What are those things that we need? Again, not trusting in ourselves, but recognizing our own weaknesses not trying to be strong enough ourselves to create those new habits, but in humility, just recognizing where are the dangers for me? Where are they for you? How do we avoid those over the long haul? Some people, when they get mad, you know it because they process externally and they just get it out there and you can sort of quickly resolve things. Other people, when they're really hurting or they're really mad, they get really quiet and they stop responding. And if you know that about yourself and you say, I'm one of those people that uh, I'll get isolated. I won't open up. One of your guardrails is to regular accountability and communication. To say, don't just get lost in your own thoughts. Allow other people in. And some of you, like me, who usually say what you're thinking, the guardrail is count to 10 before you say something. It'll really be better. Just count slowly to 10 before you say the first thing that you're thinking. 
so that you then don't have to say you're sorry for what you said. There's all kinds of things that we learn about ourselves over time. But everything that God has called us to, he's given us the strength to do. He's empowered us to live, not perfectly, but with growing and growing maturity. There is a lot to fear. We live in a scary world, but that's what's given. That's what's natural. If we say we follow the one who's defeated death and brought life to us and shown us that there is immortal life in him, then may we live lives that exhibit this spirit that is empowered by him, that loves others, and is aware of our limitations and our dangers and embraces the guardrails and the guidelines that help us do this for all the days he gives us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the one who's come to give us life and to give it abundantly. That is the great shepherd over all of us, your sheep, you long to heal us and to restore us. That it is the enemy of our souls that seeks to devour and steal and kill. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us uh, to find ways, just like Timothy uh, was encouraged by Paul, to recognize the grace that you'd already given, that you had planned from before the ages began, that you showed through your Son that we can live in the strength that is not our own, but that comes from you. And so even now as we sing this song about how our strength comes from you and not from ourselves, we just pray that you would allow the words of this uh, hymn to minister to our hearts allow it to be a time of reflection if we've really entrusted ourselves to you and can feel the sense of safety and joy and security that you long for us to have as your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.